Good morning. To those of you who are here and to those who are online, thank you so much for coming. Special thanks to my husband for being here to services. <laughs> he just got in late last night from Peru, and um, you all can probably attest to the fact that he hears me preach all the time. So the fact that he's here, I'm grateful. Um, and we're going to jump right in today into a subject that is not an easy one, and thus Pastor Justin gave it to me. But we're talking about forgiveness, and it has the power to trigger some very painful memories, and I understand that. And so I just, before we get started, I just want to challenge you to just sit with it and be okay with it, and just let God do what he wants to do with those memories, and, um, and just to be open to that and submitted to his purposes for that pain. Because if it's just, if you leave it, it is just your pain. And we just know that pain without purpose is unbearable. We do not want that. So let's take a deep breath and let's dive in, but let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you now. We are just here for you. Lord, we leave aside every agenda, every um, anxious thought. We just ask you, Holy Spirit, to clear it away so that every person here can hear you today, including me. Holy Spirit, would you anoint my words? I have something I believe you've prepared, but I just pray that you would work in hearts, everything that is human, Lord, to bring your divine purposes. I pray for every heart that hurts, Lord, and that there would be no place here today for condemnation. That, Lord, as we tackle this tough subject, that, Lord, while it might bring conviction of some things we need to let go of or some things we need to do, I pray against any spirit of condemnation and that the only thing that anyone leaves here today with is a clearer picture of your love. And that you, you desire to take every single wound and turn it into good. And so, Lord, we give it to you this morning, trusting that you've heard us in Jesus' name. Okay, so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21 to 22. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Okay, oh, 77, I'm sorry. So some translations say 70 times seven, and um, that's a big difference. Do I have to forgive 77 times or do I have to forgive 490 times, right? Um, and so I just want to clear that up for any of you that are perfectionists and that's going to bother you if you've, if you've seen it differently. So the answer to that is, is that it depends upon what we think Jesus was quoting from. So Jesus here is obviously quoting from the Old Testament. And um, is he saying that, uh, is, he is, he doing, is he quoting that out of the Hebrew Torah, or is he quoting that out of the Septuagint? 
And I believe that since Jesus was a rabbi and a Jew um, and a male, he likely memorized the Torah. And so I'm going to, I think personally that he was um, quoting out of the Torah, which means it's 77. And I like that better because some people are definitely going to be out of here, right? Um, But the point here um, is that in this time, what what Peter's doing here is in this time it was um, customary or it was taught that a person only had to forgive someone three times for an offense. So really Peter is going, Jesus, I get student of the week here because I'm saying seven. Like I've got your three, I'm going to double your three and up your one, right? So he's thinking he's doing a really good job here. Um, But what is Jesus saying here? Uh, Whether it's 77 or it's 490, Jesus is saying there is no limit and there is no law around forgiveness. And he is, and again, we'll point out here that this number seven is a number of completion and a number of perfection. So Jesus is calling us to live in a, um, a, a forgiveness that is perfection, okay? It is complete, and that means that we are to live um, forgiving as a way of life. No limits, no exclusions. How many of you like the 77 or the 490 a little bit better? Yeah. Okay, so let's just pause for a moment and agree together that what Jesus is asking sounds pretty unfair. We, I know that it's not just me that says, what does this mean? Do I just let somebody walk all over me? Do I just have to take their abuse again and again and again? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Whenever we read scripture, we have to think about how it lines up with the entirety of scripture and how it lines up with the nature of God. And I want you to know that we are created as God's image bearers to the world. And he does not want us in relationships or situations that batter and mar that image. That is not what God is saying here. But what he is saying is that unforgiveness, even over abuse, is the quickest way to destroy his image in us and his gospel message of love to others. Forgiveness, on the other hand, is the most powerful means by which we look most like Christ. Because, and we can put that screen up, forgiveness is at the very core of the gospel. And really, forgiveness is the gospel. The good news for all of us is that God offers us forgiveness for every sin we've ever committed or ever will commit. And I think right now there's a lot of us that needs to not just hear that, but let it sink in. Every sin. We do not need to be holding on to things that God is asking us to step free of. So when we as followers grasp this, then we are free to move through the world forgiving others. And when we live forgiven 
and forgiving. Not only are we free, but we're free to love others. Okay, so let's go to Luke 7 next. And in this passage, Luke tells about a Pharisee who had invited Jesus into his home for a meal. And at some point during this meal, a sinful woman who'd apparently heard of Jesus' is the backstory here um, to what we're about to talk about. A sinful woman had come in. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story, and it's a little bit off to our 21st century ears. She comes in. She's got a jar of expensive ointment. She begins to weep at the feet of Jesus, kissing his feet, wiping her tears with her hair. Anybody done that? And then pouring the ointment onto his feet. So... If you are new to uh, scripture and don't know anything about Middle Eastern culture, which I do not know a whole lot about, um, then that is a lot to, to deal with right there. Um, and so we're talking about, you know, if you really get this picture, we have a random woman wandering in on a party, um, and she uses her hair as a tissue, and she anoints who presumably may be at least maybe a stranger, um, I'm, she's heard him, but anoints his feet with essential oil. It's a little off, but we're not unpacking that today, so that's your homework. Uh, we're going to start in um, verse 39, and let's see what Jesus has for us today. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. He recognized Jesus as a teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Such a gesture of love because... Simon missed it in this culture. He should have done that as honor to his guest. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. So, let's just take a minute, think about who am I in this story? Am I the woman who knows my need and who unashamedly expresses her love and gratitude to the one who's offering it to her? Or am I the Pharisee who kind of goes, eh, I think I've done a pretty good job and I'm not perfect, but who is? And he may appreciate the teacher's um, lessons, but he in no way was moved to such a display of gratitude. And I think if we're honest, too often we're the Pharisee and we're looking at Jesus and we're saying, yeah, I'm not really that bad. As a matter of fact, 
with all that life's dealt me, I'm doing pretty good. And if you really knew who that woman was, if you really knew what he had done to me, then you wouldn't ask this of me. But I think what Jesus wants us to know is this. In order to love, we must forgive. And in order to forgive, we must understand the extent of the forgiveness that we've been offered. Dr. Dan Allender, in his book, Bold Love, says it like this. The extent to which someone truly loves will be positively correlated to the degree the person is stunned and silenced by the wonder that his huge debt has been canceled. We simply cannot share the message of the gospel of the forgiveness of sins all while refusing to forgive someone of their sins because when we do that, we're telling them that God's, the, God's love and the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cover all sins except for the ones that wound me. And then we want to hang on to those. It is Jesus' love for us that calls us to forgiveness. It is not that he just wants to put something on us. It's not that he doesn't understand how hard it is. It's not that he's going, yeah, I know that hurt you, but that's not it. It's Jesus' love. Forgiveness frees us. Unforgiveness destroys us. Beyond the damage to our spirits and to our relationships, Science confirms that unforgiveness is destructive to our mental and physical health as well. Johns Hopkins Medicine states that people who struggle to forgive are more likely to experience severe depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as multiple other health conditions, including heart disease, diabetes, and even cancer. Now, let me just say before anybody runs away with that, if you're dealing with all that, it doesn't mean that you have undealt with forgiveness. It could mean that you just have a fallen body, and fallen DNA, and we're subject to disease. But let's not discount the fact that unforgiveness is a decay of the spirit, the mind, and the body. Christian author and theologian Louis Smedes says this, when you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut a malignant tumor out of your inner life. You set a prisoner free, but you discover that the real prisoner was yourself. We were created in the beginning in God's image. And he wrote it on our DNA to be people of forgiveness. But we are a long way from Eden. And we live in a world where we have an enemy who prowls around seeking whom he may devour. And he wants to devour our souls and our relationships in order to lure us away from God and from one another because it defies the very purpose of man. The great commandment. We are called to what? Love God and love others. And we can't do that with the spirit of unforgiveness. And if the enemy of our souls can drive a wedge between you and another person, he can drive a wedge between you and God. 
And we often want to separate this out. We often want to say it really doesn't matter that I gave my wife that look. It really doesn't matter that I made that comment about that person. But it doesn't work that way. Anything we do to harm our relationship with another or that, or that goes after the image bearer that they are, then we harm our relationship with God. And I just want to, um, I want to let you know that I think that this is where some of us are today and that this is why some of us feel stuck spiritually. That we love God, we know he loves us, but there's a distance that's between him and us that kind of permeates our lives. That, it's, that we're separated from him. And he feels far away. And, and there's no shame in that because I've been there. And I do not want to suggest that we don't go through seasons of that. We do. Sometimes God uses those seasons that um, we don't feel that connection simply to um, have us press in, long for him more. We all go through wilderness times and experiences but we also need to recognize that if this is where we are a lot, then we need to maybe examine our hearts and, um, and see if perhaps we've got someone standing between us and God. Okay. Um, Nobel Peace Prize winner Dag Hammarskjöld said this, In the presence of God, nothing stands between him and us. We are forgiven. But we cannot feel his presence if anything is allowed to stand between ourselves and others. So if we're called to love and we cannot love outside of forgiveness, then we need to be clear on what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. So let's just get a practical working definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is my choice to release the one who has hurt me from owing me anything and releasing my own right to pay them back for that offense. Forgiveness is not, let's let's dig in here for just a minute, is not ignoring the offense and pretending it didn't happen. That is not what God wants us to do. It will stay with you if you do that. It is also not forgetting. We cannot erase our memories, but we can choose what we do with them when they come to us. It is also not excusing or condoning the offense. And we can get hung up on this sometimes because we can go, if I forgive them, if that's it, then they just think it's okay. And then they just go on to do it to someone else. I am not in any way suggesting that we don't need to have boundaries in place and sometimes a separation. What I, and, but I'm just saying that forgiveness doesn't mean we're condoning something or accepting it as okay. And finally, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness isn't an option. Reconciliation is. Forgiveness depends solely on me. It doesn't require the participation or even an apology from the offender. Reconciliation depends equally on both parties. Forgiveness requires release, reconciliation, requires change. Does this make sense to everybody? Got it? Okay, so if someone has abused you, if you grew up with a parent 
who was abusive, and they've made no effort to grow, change, then you have to forgive them. You have to let it go and release the, the hurt that you're holding. But it doesn't mean that you have to spend the holidays with them. So, we all get hurt in life. None of us reaches adulthood without wounds. Um, and if you have a parent, you have wounds. Don't be offended, parents. If you are a parent for any length of time whatsoever, you've wounded your children. Don't ask my children. Don't talk to them, please. Um, so the question isn't whether we will get hurt in life but what we will do with it when we are. Will we go through life wounding others, or will we allow God to transform our heart into something beautiful to give to others? When we choose to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, according to Romans 12, 21, we become the clearest image of God and living testimonies to his message of love. Okay, so there are lots of wonderful programs online. Google them for steps to forgiveness, but I'm not going to give you those today. I want us to talk about a heart approach to forgiveness as we do this hard work. First and foremost, invite God into the process. He already knows what's wounded you, and he knows exactly what you need to heal. Ask him where you're holding on to anything that is in the way of your relationship with anyone else or with him, because it is not always obvious. Forgiveness is a process, and sometimes it's a, it's a layering. We typically need to forgive one or all of these people, others, mom, dad, um, friend, ourselves. And we can't discount this. Sometimes we need to have a little compassion on ourselves, recognize that God does and that just because we made a train wreck of things that he can still be in it because we serve a God who is a God of redemption and we need to forgive God now I know sometimes people think that sounds blasphemous but if we hold it in our hearts he already knows it and he wants to take it from us and I think this is sometimes the biggest one because we want to ask, God, why did you allow that to happen? If you love me, why weren't you there? Why did my husband leave me? Why did my mom die too young? Or worse, my child? And these are all good questions. And God is not bothered by them. He is okay. Listen, I have hissy fits sometimes with God. I know you find that hard to believe. <laughs> he can take all your hard questions. So I asked my son if I could share this story. Um, okay, let me, before I get ahead of myself, number two is to pray for the person whenever they come to mind. Okay, and that is hard to do. Like, to pray blessing into someone's life. So years ago, my son was uh, deeply wounded. And um, it was a leader. And I told him, I said, listen, one of the best things you can do is to just pray every day for that person 
that wound doesn't fester inside of you. And he was very quick to respond. He prays every day. He, sa he pr said he prayed like David did in the Psalms. May their loins shake continuously. I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't know what you're praying there, but it's not quite what I had in mind. And he was young. I'm pretty sure he's not still praying that, at least I hope not. Um, but this is a good place to talk about starting right there with an act of the will, because it's a process that we partner with God on. God tells us in Matthew 18, 35, that when we forgive, we're to forgive from the heart. But that doesn't mean we have to feel it before we do it. We have to do it until we feel it. Remember, we can only be responsible for changing our behavior, and God's responsible for changing our hearts. We, by obedience, we, we allow our hearts to be fertile soil for God to work in. Nothing but the Holy Spirit can change a heart. So in the course of this process, you may need to offer a forgiveness you don't feel. But we want to remember that we need to choose not to rehearse the person's sin against you, but instead to recall the truth that the offender is known and loved by God, and they are broken. And we know that hurt people do what? Hurt people and they need our grace and our compassion as well. And that's exactly why Jesus calls us to a lifestyle of forgiveness. Because to not forgive hurts us and we go on to hurt others. He knows that unforgiveness breeds contempt. And a life of unforgiveness and anger stands in direct contradiction of the life of forgiveness and love that Christ died to give us. And he wants us to pass that life on to others. Um, I'm going to share a story right now. Praise team was um, about to come up here. Um, but I'm going to pause for just a minute. And I want to share. Um, about 13 years ago, in the place I was working, um, a farmer's market, <clears throat> someone I'd worked with a bit, you know, knew by first name. One day as we were closing up, I found him standing in front of me, standing in front of my table, and he was just standing there. And he said simply, Rita Fosky. And I cannot tell you what happened in that moment, but I felt like the world just began to get small around me. And I just, the reaction that I had threw me off balance. And I don't know how long it took, but I know that when I regained that balance, he was still there, and he said, so, you remember who I am now. And this man was once a boy who towered over me and held that over me. And he, along with many others, made my life for years a battlefield of survival of the soul. And um, I spent many years 
living the lie that God didn't love me. He couldn't have. And that I was never going to be worth anything more than the pieces and parts that made up to me, made, made me. And I carried wrong messages, not the least of it. God was just ashamed of me. And I would never be of value or use to him. And that led me to some places of extreme anger. And unfortunately, the process of getting rid of all that, my oldest children certainly have had to have a lot of grace on me for that. Depression, suicidal tendencies that took counseling, medication sometimes, and the battle to define myself by the word of God and not by the words of man and not by the actions of man. But I stood there that day and I looked at him and I thought I'd dealt with that a long time ago. It just didn't touch me anymore. But man, that all came back and those memories just assaulted me. And I realized in that place that I needed to have compassion on him. That I needed to release him. That God was not far from me. And listen, if you've had experiences that break your heart, know it broke God's heart more. But God has given free will to people. And God will never override a person's choice to do evil. But he will come into that if invited. And he will heal you. And he will make you an agent of his love. Because I know that we all have a choice to look back on our lives and see nothing but the pain. Or we can look back at it and see opportunities for compassion and for love, and for being light and life to a world that needs it. So back to that day in the market, um, he didn't ask me for anything. I don't know if he wanted my forgiveness. But what I know is I just looked at him and I told him, I remember who you are. And I pray for you. And I pray that he has found relief. He knows what he did. I pray that he has found freedom. And there is nothing that will make me happier than to see his face one day redeemed in the kingdom of God. So I want you to know, we can put up that last slide, that in order to truly love anyone, we must forgive everyone. And it is hard work. And I'm just asking you if you're willing to do that. I'm asking that if any of you, as we've been talking, as you've been listening, if there's something 
that God stirred in your heart, if there's a memory, if there's a person, just am asking you to consider maybe that's something you need to deal with. And God wants to deal with it. So as the praise team worships, then I want you to ask God that. Is there someone I need to let go of? And maybe that someone is you. Maybe you're the one who needs to be released. Maybe it's someone from this week or last year or like me, middle school. And I just pray that you will let somebody pray with you and for you. Because here's the thing. We share our stories. And I share that story not to, not to dredge up anything. But we share our stories because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And because we are not made to suffer alone. We are made for community. People on your left and your right in this room are the ones who can help you walk this out. So come. If you want to come to the altar and just be here in a holy presence and God is in this room and he is in your seats. If you want to come up here Ask God for what you need, what you personally need to hear from him. He'll meet you, and I will meet you. I'll be here, and the prayer teams will be here. And if you want someone to pray with you, we are so privileged to do that. Not because we've got it figured out. Oh, I have nothing figured out except this. God loves me. He loves you. And so, we're going to leave this open and come to a prayer team and come to me. You can come here. But more than anything, for everyone who's listening online or here, if you don't know the forgiveness of our God, don't waste another day. Because He's inviting you into a life if you can grab a hold of, you never want anything different than that. So, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just leave this open as we worship together. Father in heaven, this is hard stuff. This is not light work. But Lord, we're willing to do it, because the reward is you. The reward is peace. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you can use even me. I thank you that every single person here feels like they're beyond your grasp. Never is. I thank you that everyone who feels like they have cut themselves off, cut themselves out, 
That's a lie from the enemy, and we say no in the name of Jesus. And it doesn't matter how old we are, how much we've done. Lord, you are a God who restores. You are a God who redeems everything the enemy meant for evil. And that none of that has power over us when we give it to you. And so, God, we collectively and personally let every heart say, I give it to you, God. So we just thank you. We love you. We praise your name.